Hi, and thanks for joining in on the Pastor's Class podcast. Whether you missed a week of class or just want to re-listen to a message, this is the resource for you. Be sure to visit our website at pastorsclass.org for any other information you might need. We hope this message blesses you. And again, thank you for listening. All right, so we're going to take a a week off from the book of Acts uh, this week, and we're going to dive into the book of Ezekiel. Bet you don't get many messages from Ezekiel. wonder how many times you've studied Ezekiel. We're going to be in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel tonight. We're actually going to pop around to a few different places in the book. I kind of bit off a little bit more than I could chew, really. I thought about, you know, teaching this message from Ezekiel, and then I got into it, and it took me about 40 hours to figure it out. So we're going to start kind of right in the middle, and Chapter 33, and I'm going to read to start us off here in chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. It's uh, kind of halfway through Lamentations, right before Daniel, kind of after Jeremiah. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if, he see, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take the warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any, of, any one of them. That person is taken away in his own iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn away. From his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Those are a tough nine verses, right? I mean, if you think about it, if Acts 1 8, where we started the Acts series, if that's the kinder, gentler version of Go Be My Witness telling people about me, about Christ, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I mean, that sounds a little bit like a Baptist mission trip. Okay, if that's the kinder, gentler one, well, this right here is the Old Testament version. And for sure, it doesn't sugarcoat it, does it? I mean, I really don't, I've studied this all week, and I really don't even know fully what it means, to be honest with you. But it's pretty clear to me, after reading it about a hundred times, that bad things happen when we fail to do our job. Bad things happen when we fail to do our job, when we fail to tell people about Jesus. And you saw it there a couple of different places, but in verse 6, what does it say? But his blood I will require the watchman's hand. I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing to get your head around, isn't it? I mean... Basically, he's telling us there that there's somebody out there, maybe more than one, maybe a country, maybe one person that 
their life, the balance of their life between heaven and hell is up to you in some way. Their blood could be on your hands. I mean, it really does take to a whole different level, doesn't it? The idea of just becoming a Christian and filling a place in the church and not going out and actually doing what the Bible commands you to do kind of takes that to a whole different level, doesn't it? Ramps it up quite a bit to me. And here, clearly this, this obligation, if you will, has been placed on Ezekiel. Now, he's a very interesting figure. Uh, the only place in the Bible that we read about or hear about Ezekiel is in his book, in the book of Ezekiel, nowhere else. And he lived in a, uh, a very difficult time, probably one of the most difficult times in the history of Israel. It was during the time of Babylonian captivity. So let me give you a little bit of a history lesson just so you kind of get a sense of where we're at in, in the biblical chronological time. Um, if you recall that the first king, Saul, and David, and Solomon, they reigned over a united kingdom of Israel. And then because of jealousy and strife, the kingdom was divided into a northern kingdom that they referred to as Israel and a southern kingdom that they referred to as Judea. And that lasted uh, in this divided kingdom for about 200 years until it fell to Assyria who was later overtaken by Babylon. And then uh, in 605 B.C., uh, Judah fell to Babylon as well. And at that time, they took captive most of the people that were in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom. During that captivity, it was Daniel, and we have read a lot about Daniel, and Jeremiah. They were contemporaries, if you will, of Ezekiel. And then seven years later, King Nebuchadnezzar took full possession of Jerusalem and he captured the last 10,000 or so people there, including Ezekiel. And this captivity lasted uh, for about 70 years until Nehemiah uh, rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. And when this captivity started, Ezekiel was about 25 years old. And at 30 years old, he was called to ministry to become a priest. But God made him a prophet and made him a watchman for the house of Israel. And he got his appointment over in chapter 3. So I wanted to read this for you. Chapter 3, verse 17. It's where God calls him, if you will, and gives him this appointment as a watchman. Chapter 3, verse 17 says, Son of man, and that's an interesting term, isn't it? I've read it now a couple of times. Who else in the Bible has been referred to as a son of man? Jesus, right? Now, what that means really is that it's a representative human, okay? Ezekiel here was a representative human. He, if you read through the whole book, maybe the only person that God could depend on during this time of captivity. Just like Jesus was the last Adam, he was a representative human. We know that he was fully man and fully God. So it's very interesting that that same title in this time going to Ezekiel. So it says that, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. For the house of Israel, whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Simply put, what a watchman was to do was basically to communicate the word of God to the people. We talked a lot about the word of God in the message tonight, Jared did. But it was basically just to communicate God's word to the people. Here are the people of Israel. And if you think about it, really that's kind of what we're all called to do, isn't it? I mean, we all are really called 
and being a witness to communicate God's word to people. And that's really our whole job. That's, that's why we're here. That's, this is what Jerry said, right? This speaks to you. This opens people's eyes. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to communicate God's word to people. The Bible tells us that. And Mark 16, 15 says that we're to go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says that we are ambassadors, a, a word somewhat similar to watchmen. We're ambassadors of Christ and that God makes his appeal through us. Think about that. He makes his appeal. God uses us to reach people. We're modern day watchmen. And if you also want to really think about it and draw comparisons, today doesn't seem really that different from this time in a lot of ways. I mean, both, I could argue, were at somewhat of a crossroads. Uh, here in this time, uh, the nation of Israel had fallen into deep sin. It was one of the reasons that they found themselves in captivity. So they started worshiping idols and started getting away from the Almighty God. In fact, if you read here in chapter 22, the famous verse where he says that I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap. Remember that? The gap in the wall of righteousness. And he couldn't find anyone. Couldn't find a single person that could fill that gap. Now, I don't know if, um, if we've got there as a nation but I can tell you that just from, from my viewpoint, we are a nation that's fallen into sin and, and idolatry and it, a lot of parallels. And I can also say with great certainty that we live in a time and in a nation where we are in desperate need of watchmen. In desperate need of watchmen, of ambassadors of Christ, of people like Ezekiel. So I started thinking, what does this watchman look like? And how would we... Uh, define this and what characteristics and I thought about talking about all the illustrative things that I could talk about about standing watch on a wall about you know how they'd get behind these rock barriers and they'd be a lookout for people that might be coming danger on the way but I really wanted to dig a little bit deeper than that so I studied the whole book that's what took me all this time because uh, I wanted to just know what was it that made Ezekiel a, uh, a watchman why would God choose him why would he place his hand of favor on him and I came up with four things four things that I think are really characteristic and it's amazing how God does this so many times but they overlap in so many ways with what Jarrett was teaching tonight <clears throat> from the pulpit the first one I would say is that a watchman or that watchman they fear God watchmen fear God and I can turn over to chapter one and you see if you read chapter one if you read all of it you'll see that that Ezekiel has a vision he, where he encounters God and he describes the beauty and the majesty of God and a lot of it overlaps and parallels with revelations. <clears throat> but what struck me is, is at the very end, and we've seen this over and over in the Old Testament, he says there at the beginning, or at chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Over and over, you see it, don't you? When you come, when the Old Testament, when they came in the presence of God, I mean, Moses couldn't even look upon it. He said he had to turn his face away from the glory and the majesty of God. He fell and hit the ground. He knew uh, what God was and who He was and the power of God in that moment because he had a fear of God. He has a fear of God, and I really think of that as one of respect, right? I think of that as, as, as honoring God. 
To me, it's like to be in awe of God. It's to recognize his power, his greatness, his splendor. We saw it there. It talks about the glory of the Lord. It's mentioned over 20 times. It talks about the glory of the Lord in the book of Ezekiel. You know, Jared talked about it when he's, re- he's reading a book that said, before you seek the hand of God, seek the face of God. That's really what it's talking about. About show him your, your praises and your glory. He deserves all the glory. And I really think that one of the problems with Christians today, maybe modern day watchmen, is we don't always fear God. We don't really always take it as serious maybe as we should. You know, I think a watchman recognizes that this is serious business. Last week after I got through teaching, I told Aaron, I'm like, you know, sometimes I feel like that it's just too heavy. It's just a little bit too serious. She says, well, this is serious business. She's right. This is serious business. And watchmen know that. They fear God. They know that this is serious business. The second thing that watchmen are is they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Watchmen are filled with the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet. God's always picking you up. And I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. The Spirit of God entered him. You know, listen, Jared talked about it tonight. If you're a Christian, the good news is this, is that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Amen? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But I guarantee you this. That does not mean that you are always filled with the Holy Spirit. I promise you it doesn't. And the reason I know that is because I can look across that entire congregation and I can give you Christian after Christian. I saw all those people raising their hand. And I can tell you some of them are as dead as they could be. They show up and go home, show up and go home. There's no passion. There's no fire. I guarantee it to me, when I read this Bible and I see what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit in both the New Testament and even more importantly in the Old Testament, okay? When somebody was filled with the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, big things happened. Just take Joshua, for example. So he was filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of wisdom, so much so that he said, God, here I am, send me. I'll go out, I'll march around those walls until they come down. Amen? There's something about being filled with the Spirit of God, and I've said it before, it's nothing really magical, it's just one simple act of surrender. I surrender to you, God, and everything that I have and everything that I do, I, I hold tight to nothing, I surrender to God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and surrender to God, you will be obedient. They don't, they don't separate. Okay, if you're fully surrendered, you'll be fully obedient. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it sure means you're trying to be. I found a great quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And to obey him, you need to know him. Jerry said it tonight. They go hand in hand, right? The power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word. The third thing I would tell you is that watchmen are also filled with the word of God. One of the more unique parts of Ezekiel is there in chapter 3, and it says, And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll. Talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls tonight. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. He's talking about God's word. 
It's talking about filling your life, filling your stomach, your, your being, if you will, with the Word of God, burying it deep inside of you, letting it penetrate every part of your body. I mean, there's nothing more important to your daily walk, I promise, than having the Word of God inside of you, having it quick from your tongue. Whenever you're in difficult situations, just being able to recall God's Word, man, it speaks to you. It's powerful. Ephesians 6, Paul tells us it is the sword of the Spirit, is our weapon. Jared talked about that tonight. Also, I would say it gives us strength. It helps build our foundation. What does Psalm 1 tell us? That, that blessed is the man who, who delights in the law of God, in the word of the Lord. Is, is that person is like, like a tree planted along a, a stream of water and he bears fruit in every season, right? That leaf will never, ever wither. A watchman is, has a foundation in God's word. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They fear God. They know his glory. They're in awe of him and what he can do in his grace. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're filled with God's word. You can't be a watchman if you're not filled with God's word. You never make it. You also can't be a watchman if you're not willing to do whatever it takes. That's my number four. You're not willing to do whatever it takes. Boy, if you read and study this book of Ezekiel, you'll know that Ezekiel as a watchman was willing to do whatever it took. I mean, in fact, some of them sound pretty crazy when you're reading it. For 390 days, God had him lay on one side. And it was intended to basically be representative of the years of punishment that Israel would endure. God also told him to shave his head once. Then he said, go out and, and take part of it and scatter it in the wind. And part of it, chop it up with a sword. And part of it, burn part of the hair to show the judgment that would come upon them. I only found one time in here where he passed. He said no. And that was at a time where God was telling him to, to eat some uh, unclean items. And he says that uh, you have to cook it in front of them on human dung. Ugh, that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Even in there it says, if you look at the ESV, it says that Ezekiel's response is, ah, okay, whoa. <laughs> Can I ask for a pass there? And God gave him a pass. He said, I assigned to you cow's dung instead. Does that sound better? <laughs> Not much, right? Over and over, though, Ezekiel, obedient, speaking the truth of God, his word to the people. He was called by God to be a watchman. Called to God by, to be a watchman. He feared God. He was in awe of him, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Word of God. He would do whatever it takes. He was a watchman, just like you and me, right? We're all modern-day watchmen. But I know probably some of you are thinking, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, I haven't been given that kind of a platform. You know, God hasn't put me in, uh, in a position of watchman over a, over a nation. You know, that may be true. You know, but let me give you a couple of things to think about uh, in respect to that. One, Ezekiel was not what I would refer to as a celebrity priest, okay? We didn't know anything about him. He's not been in any other part of the Bible. He was just a young kid, really, okay? And God used him as a watchman for a nation. So if you aren't a watchman for a nation today, who knows? You might be. There's been a, a many of Men and women raised up to do mighty and wondrous things by God that I promise you when they sat in a room like this had no idea that God was going to use them that way. But let me give you something else, the second thing to think about. You may never be that person that is a watchman over a nation, but this I will assure you. Everybody in this room is a watchman over somebody. 
Everybody in this room is a watchman over somebody. We saw it play out tonight on that baptism. Did we not? Praise God that for Kip, Brian was his watchman. And he was on duty. You know, we may not be at the crossroads of a nation to guard, but I promise you, though, we're at the crossroads of a person. Somebody in your life, you're at that crossroads. And for whoever that is, think about this. Let this just soak in. It's up to you. I mean, think about that. It's up to you. There's somebody in your life that you could probably think of now that you're the only thing between maybe them and hell. I mean, think about that. It's up to you. It's up to me. If we don't do our job, somebody may go to hell, may never get an opportunity to know Jesus. You know, I, could, I hope that you get a lot of things out of this lesson tonight. I hope you understand what a watchman means and, and the characteristics of a watchman. And you understand a little bit about the history of Ezekiel. But let me tell you, if you leave here with nothing else, I want you to leave here knowing this and remembering this. That there's somebody out there, there's a soul out there that you stand watchman over today. You know, it's funny, um, as I was thinking about this and kind of getting in my mind the other day of what I was wanting to say tonight and asking God to help me, um, Jade, my assistant, came into my office and she was telling me about a uh, young man uh, that uh, was in an article and they referred to him as a rising star. <clears throat> he was a rapper uh, named Little Pep, I guess. I've never heard of him until Friday. Um, born Gustav R., uh, he, cre he created music. Um, most of his music talked openly about drugs and drug abuse. He died of an overdose a couple of days ago at the age of 21. Right before his death, he posted on social media pictures of his drug use, and in one of his posts he said, when I die, you'll love me. Uh, the article described him as a striking figure, tall and gaunt, Hair dyed pink or blonde and wearing an elaborate array of tattoos, including the words get cake, die young, and cry baby, and an anarchy symbol on his face. It also said that he struggled with drug use and suicidal tendencies and massive depression. I mean, you just can't read it without just being sad. And if you looked at this young man, you could just see the, the hurt in his eyes. You know, and when Jay came in, or point to me was, you know, Scott, I wonder if he's in hell today. And man, I started thinking about that. You know, who was his watchman? God having his life. We don't know. I mean, he may have had a bunch of people in along the way that was his watchman. Maybe they didn't do their job. I don't know. Maybe they did. But I look at that young soul that died so young, and it's just very sad. You know, and I know that you've heard Aaron and I both talk about uh, our good friend, um, Albie Pearson. Albie was a guy that brought me to the Lord, brought Aaron to the Lord, uh, kind of a spiritual father, certainly to Aaron. Um, you know, Albie played baseball. I've told this story. She's told this story, but uh, it's worth repeating. He played baseball uh, many, many years ago. He was the last person to, to be in a public appearance with Marilyn Monroe. He walked her to the pitcher's mound at an uh, all-star game, and uh, he tells a, a story of how when he was sitting there before they went out, they were talking a little bit and he was staring into her eyes and then they went out and he said, you know, she just turned on as soon as she walked out onto that field and when she came off, she turned off and, 
he was still kind of looking at her, and she looked right at him, and she said, do you have something to say to me? Do you have something to say to me? And in that moment, he said, no, I don't. And a few weeks later, she was dead. I don't know. Did he miss his opportunity to be a watchman in that moment? I know this. For 50, 60 years later, after that, it's tormented him so much so that he just dedicated his whole life to just sharing the gospel with people. It broke him in that moment just thinking that maybe I could have made a difference. Maybe I was her watchman. You know, and I think about these kind of stories, and I think about what happened in Sutherland Springs. And honestly, what it does is it reminds me of just how fragile life is, of how short life can be. I mean, the Bible tells us that it's like a mist, right? It's here today and gone. I mean, and that applies for us as Christians, and we got a heavenly home awaiting us. But what about for those that don't know Christ? It's quick for them, too. Now, to end on a little lighter note, I did come up with some good uh, examples of watchmen, um, like Jim and Janet Doral. Has anybody ever heard of Jim and Janet Doral, then in 1992, they started a work that to this day has communicated God's word and his love to the least, the poor, homeless, and hopeless. And in that year, they started a church in Waco called Church Under the Bridge. You heard of it? They serve, according to, to Jimmy, uh, black, brown, white, rich, poor, educated on the streets or at a university. I love that. Under a bridge overpass on I-35, and I brought a picture of this. It's a beautiful sight, isn't that? It says that, uh, Janet said in this article I was reading about, it said, where else would, you, would people fresh out of drug rehab take up the morning collection, holding jars for bills and change as they walk among visitors in folding chairs? And I thought to myself, well, I know of one place, Metanoia. See the same thing, right? In fact, I had to do this. I'm going to run over, but that's okay. Um, I got a text as I was sitting in church. I didn't know who it was, but I finally figured it out from Hector. Remember Hector? The, it's one of your brothers that came, and he's been coming to class. He's up in... Uh, Nebraska. He says, Pastor Scott, may the Lord Jesus, he's always trying to uh, just encourage me, may the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. Today was a very blessed day. They were out in the Guatemalan community witnessing. He says, the harvest was very good. 20 newborns and two rededications for a total of 22 people coming to Christ. Literally, this church under the bridge is you know, seen hundreds if not thousands of people's lives change. And Bob Darden, a professor at Baylor, said this in describing the church and Jimmy and Janet, uh, watchman, I would say, uh, you can do lip service to what the Bible says or you can do what the Bible says. Boy, is that good. And then this other one, I had one more. Um, and I love this story. There's a young girl named Lynette. It says, Lynette met Christ at a young life camp in high school and started praying for her father, Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan was a self-made man born in the 1920s to a gas station attendant and his wife. He was the first person to go to college in their family. He earned a Ph.D., and he was a brilliant atheist. He said, but Lynette, well, she was his watchman. She was on guard. He said, three years after coming to Christ, Lynette was serving on a summer camp staff and recruited the whole team to pray for her father. The last week of the summer, her dad came to camp. He listened carefully to the speaker, and then he told Lynette, I want to have faith, but I just can't. This is all too far-fetched for me. At the end of the week, however, the speaker said, even faith is a gift from God. If you don't have it, he'll give it to you. That's exactly what he needed to hear. So he said, okay, whatever God wants to give me, I'll take it. And he accepted Christ at that camp. Later, when Dr. Dan passed away, he was with his daughter, and she said, Daddy, 
when you see Jesus, just go to him. And then he rallied his last bit of strength that said, he said, wonderful. And what was so amazing is, is, is these were the last words in an appropriate punctuation mark at the end of 31 years of following Jesus. Isn't that just awesome? Lynette was his watchman. She was there. She was active. And we are all watchmen. Hasn't changed in 2,500 years. Uh, here we see God sending out Ezekiel. In fact, in verses, chapter 3, verse 3, I love this because kind of our theme, if you will, from the book of Acts has been send me out. It's all about going out and being a witness. And, and we saw that here where he, he says, I'm sending him out. I send you to the people of Israel. God is still sending us all out today. That's what I love about God's word is it's so applicable. I can, you can turn it anywhere. It points you to Jesus and points you to telling people about Jesus. And, and, and this is what I want you to remember. Somebody's life may depend on it. May we never, ever have to live with that regret of knowing that someone's blood may be on our hands. Amen. Let us be faithful watchmen. All right, I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the way you love us, God. Thank you that we get the, the opportunity, God, the, the privilege, Lord, to be your ambassador, to be your watchman, to stand guard, to, for you to make your appeal through us. Lord, thank you that we get the opportunity to be a part of changing lives. God, I pray that you would just give us the courage every day to remember this is serious business. It's somebody's life may depend on us, Lord. So breathe your life into us. Fill us, God, with your Holy Spirit. We surrender our lives to you, God, and we ask for your power in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.